and welcome back to the TNC podcast for episode number 86, just 14 wow. to go, if I've done my maths correctly, to the big 100. Next who's, to me. Who's going to be 100? Well, it's not you now. We were, we were lining oh, up for you, but who do you think should be 100? Right, I'm off. <laughs> um, Pammy from Canary Call. Oh, yeah? yes. Yeah. Yes, With please. her barble. How are you, mate? I'm good. Good to, nice see, to see you. you. So yeah, I've just for coming completely over. kiboshed your introduction. No, you have. Apologies. I mean, I had a lovely scripted one. And go on, do it, do it again. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> done go. now. The, no. the moment has gone. <laughs> the moment has gone. Um, you sent me a text this morning, or it was a voice message, actually. It was, it was lovely to wake up to your voice. I do like WhatsApp voice messages. You do, don't you? Yeah, yeah well, it just takes the... That's the way forward, isn't it? It takes the fingering and thumbing out of texting. Good. Don't take that out of context. <laughs> we do that on don't, the podcast. Don't take that out of context. Well, I saw it was two minutes and 16. I thought, that there's gold in here, and there was. You said you are in the sunny Mulbarton. Yeah. Um, how, is, how is life treating you in, in the sunny Mulbarton at the moment? Back for the weekend? Yeah. Back for, back for Easter? Is it half-time? No, 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 not quite Easter. It's I don't, the Easter holidays. Okay. It shows how long you've been out of yeah, the education it, system now. You've all I gone know, pro- professional <laughs> and all that. Um, we're back till we're going to go to the, the Reading game Wednesday okay. night. So we went uh, to the QPR game Saturday. Reading, your local team. Yes, I, I know. <laughs> well, me and Ethan went to the, well, and for me, where I live, the home, the home game. Yeah. Obviously away from the Norwich Mass. We sat in with the Reading fans. Actually, to be fair, most of them are, are very charming. I sat with my neighbours, Rich, and their two boys, Charlie and Harry. Uh, you know that when they scored, how many seconds are was it? About thirty seconds, probably less than that. That we went back into the league. Yes, because they turned around and gave us some lovely friendly banter. Yeah, um, when that, when they banter, scored, yeah. very well. Um, and then we scored seconds later, and just Ethan's face was hilarious. He just sort of jumped up and just started laughing at <laughs> Harry and Charlie. <laughs> at that point, didn't see the funny side of it. But that, I mean, that was. I mean, that was before we were good. I remember my neighbour saying, "That's how bad we are that, that we made you look good." It's so, quite, it was quite kind of Norwich that night to almost give Reading a slight piece of hope, and then yeah, uh, just a little ray of light into the mad stand. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, nothing more than that. And, and Chris, that was, I suppose, before we were good. We, I think we were on a charge at that point. But you, when was that? October time? Maybe before that. I the last home. I feel bad to say this, but it's just kind of the way life's been. But the last home game I went to was the Wigan game. We had a very late penalty. Yes. Now, Do you remember who scored? I remember. No, my memory's <laughs> terrible now. Mario Vrancic. Oh, that's it. it. Was. That's it. The only know. penalty we've scored this season. I know that, yeah, I know yeah, that. that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, good, it's a great stat. But I remember going away from it and thinking, kind of okay. Okay. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, what on earth Boom. is happening? I mean, Chris, boom, boom. you forget the journey we've been on this season, don't you? In terms of that Wigan game, it was nil-nil in, in going into the 88th minute, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And now we're just, we're walking, you know, teams off the park. It, it's almost embarrassing for opponents now. <laughs> I, I can't believe how how bad QPR were compared to us. Mm. We were just, ridi- we were so ridiculous that even if they were average, they were bad. If that makes sense, that doesn't make well, sense. I mean, even, made up, but anyway. even their fans were singing songs like, you know, you're so bad, it's only 2-0. Yeah, yeah, and they were celebrating when they got a corner. <laughs> oh, by the way, kudos to QPR fans for doing that. That's it, cracking banter. It was good. Um, it was good black... What it, gallows humour, wasn't it? I think they call it. I Is think it? They call yeah, it yeah. That. Okay. yeah, yeah. Just when everything's bad, just have fun. And, yeah. and they did, because they were terrible. Yeah. Let's yeah. go back to our last promotion, when mm. things were rosy before, before mm. the relegation and, yeah. and the transitional season and, and, and the Jez Moxie times of, of Norwich Ooh. City. Um, we'll, 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 we'll skip, skip over that. Up the mox. Um, <laughs> Moxie. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a I, Isn't it funny how... Control or deleted that, that episode. I love, I love how whenever anyone says anything about Moxie, the instant reaction just, is just laughter. Yeah. yeah. That just says it all, I think it? everyone's tried to forget that time. Okay. Um, well, the thing was, we didn't know why he was here. And having chatted in the director's lounge, and I knew him a bit, because I did a couple of Wolves end-of-season dinners a few, a few years ago. So I, I knew him a little bit. 
And he's an okay guy, but after chatting to him, I kind of got the impression he didn't know why he was here, <laughs> which was a, bit, was a bit strange. So the, the yellow tie didn't suit him. He, he right. was more at home with a gold tie of, of yeah. walls. And, but I suppose yeah. if you're going to screw up, do it properly. You know, really screw up. Yeah, yeah. royally. Um, yeah. But that was the last time we were promoted, mm. and you were at Wembley that year. You had the, you had the dream of all dreams oh. that day, mate. Oh, I was amazing. I yeah. was Amazing. sick with jealousy of you yeah. on that pitch, my friend. Yeah, but I was I was in a funny way jealous of you guys as well because yeah. I was caught between a rock and a hard place. On the on the one hand, you've been handed the biggest game of the season to present, mm. regardless whether your team are in it or not. Mm-hmm. It happens to be your team. You've just watched this thrilling, wonderful, amazing, hilarious yeah. two legs against Ipswich. And now you're at Wembley. But there was part of me, and my, my family were literally, so we were kind of... As you looked at the Wembley Tunnel, we were just to the right of the halfway line. I can see my sister Becky, Neil, Olivia, Holly, and Thomas, uh, my nieces and nephews. And oh, I was I was a little bit jealous of them, but I think it was when when it got to full time, mm. and I'm literally stood in the tunnel, touching the trophy, getting a little touch the last. <laughs> and I think Roger East was the fourth official that day, so I'm looking, I'm eyeballing him. I mean, we weren't going to lose from there, but just waiting for the moment. I could mm. see. All of the Norwich playing staff, uh, the players, yeah. the subs, you know, Ricky Martin, Alex Neal, all ready to go. And then suddenly the referee blows his whistle and you just follow them oh. out. Now that's a moment, you know, at that point I thought, I'm not jealous of people up in the stands. I, I'm delaying Basong from going up <laughs> to get his medal <laughs> because I'm interviewing on the pitch and, Big you know, seeing Delia and, and Alex. It was just, you know, to be there on, on the turf at Wembley when your team oh. has just been promoted. What a memory. You can't buy that stuff, and I've got, I've got. They did very kind. The football league did this amazing uh, big frame thing. You know the kind of things you see at auctions. Yeah, <laughs> you go to the charity. Yeah, yeah. But this is special because it's got Norwich on there. It's got a picture of me, and it's got it's got one of the the winners' medals. Oh, wow. really? You got a winners' medal? Yeah, I know. <laughs> How did this happen? Hang on, this, is, this one, shouldn't be happening. The football, the football league do do make some spares. Okay, um, and it oh. just hangs on my wall. Yeah, you didn't oh. nick Semper songs then. Yeah. No. <laughs> In, in terms of that season, Chris, we've spoken to players from that season, coaches, haven't spoken to the manager from that season, mm-hmm. but Simon, you were obviously engulfed in the Football yeah. League at that point. You you were covering it week yeah. in, week out. And we've spoken, as I said, to, to people from in the club at that point, and I think they got to a certain stage when they thought, this is going to be our year. Mm. Was there a stage when you thought, hang on, Norwich have a, a real chance here? And, and at what point in the season was that? I'm trying to remember exactly when it was, but I remember having a, a conversation with my producer. Bournemouth away? That was big. That was Alex Neal's first game though, wasn't it? Yeah, Jerome. It was. Yeah. Oof. But I remember Stevie Rowe was our producer, and I could see Norwich beginning to build up this momentum, and the playoffs being a real, really big opportunity. I'm looking also at Ipswich as well and going, well, they could end up in the playoffs as well. So I just sort of threw it out to him one day. We were at a game and I just said, it wasn't a Norwich game. I said, look, if Norwich get to the playoff final, would I have to do it? That's such a massive game. You know, everyone's going to be looking at you and seeing if there's any hint of Norwich bias. He said, yeah, you would. And I said, well, what, you know, what if Ipswich make it as well? It's like a semi-final. They both collide in the final. We'll, yeah. have, to, we'll have to do it then. Anyway. We might have to have a bit of a rethink then. Yeah. But I remember, yeah. You couldn't have been biased Norwich-Ipswich final, surely. But, I mean, to be fair, after the playoff <laughs> final, because I, I, got, I got absolutely leathered on social media. They're just Ipswich fans, it wasn't so much what I was saying. It was simply the fact that a Norwich fan was presenting. Yeah. I was, just couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. handle it. And in some ways, I can understand it. 
But I tried to play with a straighter bat as I could. All my celebrations were reserved purely from the studio, which looks down on the Ipswich fans. And Darren Eadie was only too happy to give them plenty, as he often did. Unfortunately, James Scowcroft never took it as well. And he wasn't with us on that. It was George Burley. But I remember doing games with Eadie and Scowie and the two of them. Yeah. You know, Eadie would give it to them. And then Ipswich rarely scored and sometimes did. And Scowie would give it back to him. But, you know... Edie's whacking on the windows. I'm jumping around the studio. That was the only time. He's a maniac in the studio. Oh, he loves it. Well, he's got the safety of that thick glass. But when there's a few hundred below you, I don't want to get too carried away with it. I mean, who was it that tweeted this week that Darren Edie's made more appearances on Sky than Norwich now? Was that Mr. Huckabee? It's got to be Huck. Huck's quality tweet. If if he's not digging out his wife, (laughs) it'll it'll go elsewhere like that. I think I also saw a stat that that said that Darren Edie is unbeaten on Sky Sports when he's been covering Norwich. I like that. I'm not sure if you can think of it. I don't remember a defeat with him. No, no, I don't. So when no. you, Ooh, interesting. When you go to your producer and say, "Look, if we if we do get to the final, or if yeah. Norwich are to play Ipswich, what are you expecting him to say?" Because you're you're obviously posing the question, thinking it might be a no. I'm expecting him to say you'll be doing it, right? Yeah, but I just thought I just but throw what do it you out want there. To do? Well, that was that's like being there on the day you're caught between two minds because on the one hand. You really want to present it. Why wouldn't you? This is the, the, you know, if you're doing the football league, the biggest game, and it's actually it's it's easily as comparable to the biggest games in the Premier League because of what's at stake. Yeah, course. agreed. Massive. What's the most expensive so, yeah. game of football? Well, in the world, oh, yeah, it? we always had to. It was, it was like cliche bingo on that day online. Like who? And I, when I just saw the words in the script, I was like, oh, do we have to call it that? We have to find somewhere else. How much to expect? No, it's, it's, yeah, we always came back to that one, but also kind of, do I just want to enjoy the game and not get any flack? for the fact that I'm a Norwich fan and we're up against Ipswich. You know, the, the one comment I remember after the playoff final, which I thought I've done the job I was supposed to do, I actually got, this is a rare, and I forget his name, but if, if you're watching. <laughs> but it's it wasn't my mum watching. Yeah, I know. Hi, Jack's mum. And the nanny fan. See you in Cromer again this summer. Indeed. Um, it was from an Ipswich fan, and he just said to me, he said, painful though it was to see you guys there, I just want to say... I would have never known you were a Norwich fan today. Really? Wow. Now that in terms of doing your job, yeah. you've obviously got it right. Yeah. Because you've been fair to both sides. You've not allowed your excitement of what's happened to mm. overflow. Because whenever I did a player final, we were interviewing the players afterwards, even though it wasn't your club, you'd still be excited on their behalf because their season's just culminated in winning on the biggest stage mm. and they picked up the biggest prize. You want to, you know, you're going to be happy for them. Apart from when it was Hull and they just played so badly, it was a terrible, <laughs> terrible game. But you know, and then it's your team. I think the people don't begrudge you being happy. But in terms of when you're asking the questions, you're talking about the the key moments in the game. You've got to play with a straight bat. And the fact that an Ipswich fan took time out to yeah. say that, I thought, well, I've got, I've obviously got it right. Chris, do you draw any comparisons from that Norwich side, the last promoted side, to the current one? Um, I see, I see as much of a hunger, mm. definitely. I, I think that under Alex Neal, it almost seemed a bit not. I think botched is a, is a harsh word, but it was botched is a harsh word. But we had but we yeah. had Stephen Whitaker yeah. playing like Andreas Iniesta at mm. Wembley. I mean, what is that in itself? Mm. That was it, remarkable. It, it was it? a late surge. Yeah, um, and I think that the it was just very different. I think that you'll see a Norwich of that ilk of one of the playoff teams this season. But there's, I think, more comparable, and it'd be interesting to get Simon Thomas's thoughts, is that they've been making links to Wolves now. The, the Wolves side that came up of late and Norwich now, how dominant we are, mm. how aggressive we are, how much ball we've got, how many goals we've scored. I don't think there's too many similarities in that. I think that... I'll I tell you one thing for free. I prefer this team. I right. really do prefer this team. And 
every inch of my body thought we were going to lose that game in the player final. I, I wasn't confident. Millwall, Millwall, God, imagine it was Millwall. <laughs> oh, don't Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Yeah. I honestly thought Middlesbrough were going to spank us one in the player final. Mm. So there you go. Whereas now I feel confident that, that we, we can do anything. They hit the crossbar very early on, didn't we? Yes, yeah. yes. Bradley Johnson, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then they went, I mean, George Fenner went down the left. I forget yeah. who, who hit the crossbar, but there was that. I think if they'd scored yeah. then, I agree with you, I think it would have been really, really tough then, for us. And then, of course, Danny Ayala. Mm. The goose look-alike <laughs> fell over. But not got, even as good-looking. Jack, he's got to be the ugliest Norwich player of all time, surely. No comment. Cool. Um, you, can go, you can go plenty of places with <laughs> that one. Um, I think that was also the day that a certain Patrick Bamford didn't touch the ball. I think that was a start. That's he didn't odd. touch the ball at all. Wow. Leeds Which was great because of what happened the last... You remember when they came to Carrow yeah. and I was doing that game? And there was a... Yeah. He, he, he wasn't a very popular figure that night, was Leeds he? fans six games ago thought he was like the saviour of the world mm, yeah. and now they're changing their minds but Simon, he's too posh to be a great he's very I think he's very well educated isn't he yeah. and, we, and we shouldn't we shouldn't criticise no he's a great guy he's a great he's a, guy he's a lovely lad Simon he's a lovely lad <laughs> we're going down avenue we don't want to go down <laughs> I suppose though that the one similarity though Simon is, is once you get on a run like we mm. did under Alex Neal it's hard for a team especially in the championship yeah. When you come up against a team like a Norwich at the moment, you are going to be fearing them because of the run they are on. Yeah. And and we've got that. You were there at the weekend. Yeah. You saw how dominant, how how confident they are at the moment. They are just oozing confidence from from top to bottom. And I tell you what, I having not seen them in the flesh, I've seen them plenty of times because they are dominating Sky's football league coverage, and rightly so. About time, eh? Yeah. Um, hey. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I can say anything now. Um, do you know what I, what I noticed? I'm not saying this wasn't true back in 2015 because there was a togetherness. But I just look at that team, but I look beyond the team, I look at the whole club now. And there's a togetherness from top to bottom. Mm. Everyone is on the same page. I loved, I just found it hilarious. I just loved Farker coming out and just doing his moment with the fans. Mm. And it's just this incredible unity. You know, when you know, um, Pookie tracks back because we were down to 10 oh men. Oh my God, I almost cried. And I'm thinking, wow, oh, this is our centre-forward. goals for fun. He doesn't need to do this, but he did it. Yeah. Oh, because this is a team brilliant. from 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 back to front just fight for each other. And I just, I'd love, and I've, but I think the togetherness goes beyond just the, the starting 11 mm, every week. It's, agreed. It's, it's just, and if, you know, I was, I hate dropping this in, but I was in the director's lounge after the game, just catching up with Delia, pick that one off the floor. <laughs> but even did just chatting to her. No, I had one of Etty's legendary sausage rolls. Did have you? you had one? I haven't. Oh my god. Puff pastry me. or short crust? Oh, puff pastry. Oh, just oh goodness gracious. Mega. That's filth. And I bet you have But even in there, you, you can sense in there when it's. I mean, listen, if people have lost, let, let's cut the sausage rolls. <laughs> no, let's not cut the sausage rolls. <laughs> But you, even in there, just the, I mean, obviously it helps when you're winning and you're, you know, you're eight points clear. We weren't at that point. We're ten points clear. We haven't played yet. But you're flying high at the top of the league, and you're on course for promotion. Of course, everyone's going to be happy. But even in there, just a sense of different atmosphere to a couple of years ago. There's few people that go in the directors' boxes. What happens? Wasn't the director? I watched in the south stand. But you, I got invited to the directors' lounge after. So what, what's going on up there then? Except for the, the the puff pastry sausage rolls. Well, I'll tell you what happens in the director's box when when I sat in there. So when Ethan was mascot last season. Yes. Very cold day in that. February. And, uh, Poor little Ethan, it is, it is full kick. I know. It was freezing. As you, as you come back in the director's box, as you walk out, there's someone handing out blankets. No. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I looked to my left at one point and Ethan, um, Thomas, cousins and everything were all wrapped up in blankets. Uh, and I was really disappointed. And you didn't get one? Well, I did, but I, well, I, I, I wrapped just my legs slightly at one point. 
<laughs> just a certain unity, you know. But it's yeah, that I mean that's that's life in there. It's not quite as grand as, as some clubs, but the rug's a lovely touch. Chris, let's get your claim to fame. This is becoming very surreal in places. Didn't okay. you used to have to lay out Etty's blanket? Pardon? Did you? <laughs> Yeah, really random, yeah. And turn her bed down. <laughs> Before the game, you, you used to have to put the blankets on her seat each mm. game. That, wow. was one of, that was one of the things. My other claim to fame, this is so random. She's lovely. My, my old man used to be good. Yeah, yeah. Superstar. Um, my old man used to be mates with Lee Clark. And I ended up, it was this, the, this is just such a weird, maybe it says a lot about the Glenn Roder era. I ended up in the manager's lounge. Do right. you know what the manager's lounge is, Jack? Have you been in the, ma- have you been no. in the manager's lounge? Um, where they share a glass of port. No, 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 port. <laughs> no I haven't actually. No? Okay. I bet it's fine because I'm a Stein now, isn't it? it it's, it's, it's quite close. Right. Um, there's, a, there's enough for maybe eight, nine people tops. Um, and I remember going in there after the game in, in the Glen Road rear and it was just such a strange atmosphere. And you used to get, be able to go out on the pitch afterwards and all sorts. That's my claim to fame. I can imagine right. Farker in the lounge in a pair of very shiny winkle pickers, <laughs> yeah. very tight leather trousers, yeah. and, and a spray-on black T-shirt. He stinks of leather, doesn't he? The hair grilled back. <laughs> By the way, um, Glenn Roder was spotted. My, my niece, Olivia, has just come back from Centre Parks in, in Elfton, and Glenn Roder was there. Really? Yep. Did, 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 was he a lovely man? I, I'll, I will ask her. I will ask her. Okay. <laughs> Olivia, was Glenn Roder a lovely man? <laughs> My what? niece is just off camera taking pictures. <laughs> what does Glenn Roder do at Centre Parks? You know you get to pick activities. I tell you what he just walks around miserable. I tell you, I, he stinks of the geocaching. <laughs> he absolutely reeks of it. That the most What's boring activity. Oh, don't even start me. Drop, <laughs> drop down a comment below if you know what geocaching is. I don't know. Goodness what it is. gracious me. Have you, you obviously oh. played it because it's, it's, it's scarred you. It's, it's it? kind of like a terrible treasure hunt. It's like a modern <laughs> treasure hunt. It's awful. <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you. Right. Big up centre parks, though. Great gaff. Yeah. Well, the crazy golf is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great swimming facilities, though, as well. Yeah. Enough about centre parks. They're willing to pay us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. That's fine. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Centre Parks. <laughs> um, TCP. Let, I mean, promotion is, is on the horizon. Yeah. What have you made of the whole far career over the past... Two years because when Ethan was mascot last yeah. summer, um, last season, well, we weren't sure, were we? Well, it was pretty grim. We wasn't really it? weren't sure at that period. I mean, I mean, James Madison came out with Ethan. We leave, we we let go of James Madison, our, yeah. our star man, and you're thinking, Jesus, where where do we go from here? Mm. Ethan asked me the other day, why did he go? And I was trying to introduce him to how money. the transfer market works okay. and money. Yeah. Why a club of our size when you get a player like him? Unfortunately, you know, other clubs will come in and pay a lot of money for him and. They go. He's like, he didn't. He couldn't get it into his head. He actually asked me this during the QPR game. What? Why did players go to other clubs? It was lovely because he's he innocent because he you know, isn't fully question. understand football yet. But he could understand why his, his mate, his favourite player, Madison. Well, how do you explain it? I just said, unfortunately, we're, we're we are the size of club that when we get very talented. This, I mean, this is what is part partly does worry me about how good this team has been because you know watching someone like Hernandez, he just is. He's like a flip. I, he's a bull, he's, isn't he? Yeah, he's got such a low centre of gravity. I just players. He, he's like a small Jonah Loma of football. Players bouncing off him. You've sometimes got three yeah, people yeah, on him, yeah. I like that and he me. still emerges with a ball. Now, you know, other clubs have been looking at players like him, and he's just one of many. And thinking, well, hello. And I just try to say to him, can look, you know, for a club our size, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to run it in a way that means we're we, we're in money, not in debt all the time. That's really difficult to do when you get a really cool. really good player. Clubs with bigger money and more money come in and say, we'll have him. And if they pay the right fee, unfortunately, very sadly, they have to go. And that's the uh, 
the, cut, heart, the cut and throat of football, I'm afraid, Ethan, <laughs> and it's hard. You've just explained what Anonel Hernandez is very well. Here's a tougher one. What's Marco Steeperman? Because I still haven't figured it out. Great question. What is he? Who? What, what does he do? Gosh. That was fantastic celebrations. Well, yeah. I, I What's your favourite animal celebration? The crab or the salmon? Probably, probably the crab. I think. I think the salmon. Mm. I'm, I'm backing the salmon. Actually, <laughs> it was the facials that went with it as well. <laughs> it was I was a huge fan of that. Good. Love a good cello. I, I, I mean, the Farker <laughs> question. I don't. I don't. I never expected that. Did anyone? No. No. Some no. will say they did, but they're no, like, the, no, the hipsters. They're telling porkies. Let's be honest. No, it's, I'd love to know what his secret is. I'd love to. Sometimes I often used to think I was covering the football. I'd like to suspend more time just. Not hanging out with, but just spending time in clubs and, and just getting a real sense of how they work. What is it about this manager that gets that out of their team, whereas this manager didn't? You know, just seeing him in action because you just hear snippets, don't you, from the dressing room? I know, I know he likes to look in the mirror for a long time. I've, I've heard that's been corroborated by a number of different sources. Um, I'm sure you would do if you look like. He's looking yeah. fantastic. Yeah. He, he does, and you're right. He does smell smells that's amazing. Good. What perfume do you reckon he's wearing? <laughs> Denim. I, I've never smelled Daniel Parker. I must admit. No, mm. no. I bet, I bet I, he smells delicious. I think it's remarkable what he's done. There's no other word for it. It's yeah. remarkable what what this Almost team impossible. put together. Yeah. Spent what four mil? Impossible. We've got a free transfer. He just won the EFL Championship Player of the Year. The EFL Awards have just been as well. Yes. Um, mm. I mean, a multitude of awards, Chris. Timu Puki, EFL no Championship Player of the Season. Max Aaron's Young Player of the Season yeah. across the whole of the EFL. Mm. Joel Lewis getting in the Team of the Year. Love that. The last player, the last Norwich City individual to win an EFL trophy was Tom Adeyemi in 2010. Ooh, who's Tom Adeyemi? Um, he plays for some irrelevant team now. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Um, that shows just how impressive this this year has been. Definitely. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about the press coverage last night, eagerly anticipating them to get the awards they deserved, mm. was how Timu Puki was just so... In fact, in one of his interviews he says... Actually, you know what? He kind of said, I'm, I'm almost actually, I'm, I'm past my bedtime, so mm -hmm. I actually need to be closing off this interview. And the guy goes, yeah, no worries. Okay, then. <laughs> off you go. And he's just, I love how Timmy Pookie is just so chilled. Yeah. He's so human. There is no ego. Even Max said in his interview how quiet Timmy is, how peaceful he is. But yet, he's an absolute animal on the football mm, pitch. He's amazing. And I'm so bloody proud of Max Aarons. I cannot tell you. Just so young. So fresh, so brave, yet his defending is so mature and he's just been a revelation. And he gets the ball and he gets me off my seat and I want it even more because he's young and hungry. I remember, do you remember before the Ipswich game and we said, get Max Aarons in that team mm. and we got berated for that on social media. Mm. We haven't looked back since. Not, not, not a change of normal. When Ethan, we went, we went to a game, well it was that Wigan game back in back in September, it was mm. Ethan's birthday. And so very kindly, we had lunch with Delia beforehand. And Top girl. Pookie won man of the match. Right. And he, his wife was already in there. He comes in afterwards. And he was exactly what you said. He was lovely, but quiet, mm. very respectful, you know, very mm. good with Ethan, shook his hand, gave him his shirt and everything. You know, obviously he wasn't on this amazing charge that we see him on now, but the, the real contrast to what you see on the pitch because he's so effervescent and Good just word. never stops running and is <clears throat> lethal in front of goal 
I mean, I thought the amazing thing this week, I think I'm right in saying this, before the awards themselves last night, the, the championship team of the week, just based on this last weekend, was five, was it five yeah, last five. I mean, how many times has that happened? Well, Most I mean, it weeks. Happened. I mean, it's just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Five yeah. players. I mean, we have days where we think, oh, we've got one in there. That's pretty good. It's remarkable, isn't <laughs> it? Five. You what, Chris Wilder would love it. By the way, manager how's, of the year. how's he won manager of the year over Daniel Farker? It couldn't have been all Norwich, couldn't it? There's a conspiracy yeah. against Norwich. Anyway, what were you going to say, Chris? <laughs> um, I just remembered a moment from the game against QPR, totally random, but yeah. I really want to highlight it. If you watch the Norwich City highlights on YouTube, <clears throat> Team Ipuki, when he goes to score a second, what do you notice, Simon? You notice Hernandez completely body-checking mm. The defender. Mm. So Timmy Puki had all the space and time in the world, and that says everything about this Norwich City team. The fact yeah. that Anel Hernandez, he chose to bat him away to let Timu go and score. Mm. And again, Emmy Buendia setting up Timu for the first as well. It's, it's just brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Norwich City. It's magnificent. It's all going well. Um, Simon, what's what's football to you now? Because the last couple of years have have been tough. Yeah. Um, that's been, you know, that's been public and yeah, and people know what's what's happened. To go from a a life where football is your work, yeah. it's your day to day, it's it's the job that you you wanted to do and, and you got and you got to the very top. Mm. To then things happening. How do you look at football now? Because it must be a different outlook for you. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I'd say for. Probably until it was probably the last round of matches in the group stages of the World Cup, mm. and it wasn't just because England were doing well. Up until that point, football wasn't on my radar at all. I mean, we'd had that amazing Devon Ethan was mascot for Norwich, mm. had that incredible night where he, through the generosity of the FA, was mascot for England against mm. Italy. Mm. You know, we'd had those two incredible moments. The, the world of football after what happened with Gemma were amazing. They were just yeah, wonderfully supportive. That. The messages that came in. I remember vividly being sent the pictures of the, the screen message that went up at Carrow Road for Gemma. Mm. Fair play to QPR, they did something similar. Right. Um, you know, the guys at BT Sport were covering the ashes at the time. You know, we're rivals, but even Matt Smith sent a message to me actually on screen. And, <clears throat> you know, just the, the love from the world of football. You know, we, we often can be a little bit cynical about football and it's all about greed and we get fixated on that side of things or the diving or the inflated wages, whatever it might be. But the heart of football is when, when the chips are down, you so often see that world pulling together. I mean, the most amazing letter I had came from Pochettino. It was not a really? guy. I mean, the only time I'd really, I bumped into him a few times when <laughs> we were covering games at White Hart Lane and it was nothing more than a hello. He's very courteous and he's, he's a very polite guy. Mm. Didn't know him at all. And this wasn't one of those letters that you kind of look at and you know, that's a computer generated signature. And I'm not sure he wrote that. He, he definitely wrote that. And that mm. was his, his pen at the end of it. And moments like that reminded me how amazing the world of football is. But as a game, up until that final round of matches, it just wasn't on my radar. I didn't, mm. I didn't, I couldn't watch it. Not because I suddenly didn't like it. It just didn't matter. Mm. It did not matter, you know. Because when you've gone through something like this, and listen, you guys, you know, Chris, you lost your mum when you were fourteen. Jack, you lost your dad in the last few years. You know, when when these things first happen, nothing else matters. Mm. Even something no. you love as much as football doesn't matter. And I just wasn't interested in watching. I kind of casually, obviously, keep up with what Norwich were doing, but it wasn't until the World Cup. And I think what I enjoyed, and when you're doing a job that is essentially about talking about football, 
most days of the week. It does, much as I loved it, become a busman's holiday in that you are immersed in this world that you've always got to be watching games. Yeah. And there are a lot of games to watch. I mean, I'd often be sat at home watching the telly with Gemma and we'd be watching something else and I'd have the, the laptop or the iPad go, so what are you watching now? Mm. It's another game. Because you never wanted to turn up when I was doing the Saturday Premier League game. You never ever want to turn up at half past eight for that production meeting. Prepared, yeah. And you got Carragher or Sooness or whoever it might be standing over your shoulder. Thought you wouldn't mess with them, and you? No. And, and they start talking about a story or an incident and you think, I don't know what happened there. I don't, I don't wanna, I'm going to have to bluff this. So you would make sure you watched as much. You know, Carragher, I don't know where he found the time from. He, he watches pretty much every game from almost every league around the world at some point of the week. He just knows. That's why he's the pundit he is, though, because yeah. he's passionate and he works hard at it. Um, you know, there was, when you're that immersed in it, I, it, it took some of the fun out of it. I loved my job, but watching football was... A chore? Not a chore, but it was. It was. It was. You always felt like you're working. So if you were watching just a game that you probably watch anyway, you are thinking, yeah. But in a couple of weeks' time, we are doing Chelsea against Leicester, and they just made this point about Hazard again. You know that is a really interesting point they made. But kind of when we do their game, we kind of maybe need to explore something different. So you're writing a note down. You're never watching it just as a punter. Yeah. Suddenly, for the first time in years, I was watching games again just as a fan. Mm. And actually, I just felt this weight came off my shoulders. And I just want to say this again, I loved what I did. I was incredibly blessed and fortunate to get paid to stand in a playoff final and present God, your own yeah. team going <laughs> to the Premier League. And memories I will never, ever forget for as long as I live and would never, ever want to change. But because everything else had changed, the way I looked at football changed. But since that point, I've just enjoyed watching it as a punter again, just being a fan and choosing the games I want to watch. I'm going to watch that, but actually I don't need to watch mm. that. It's, it just changed how I looked at it. But I'm definitely back in love with the game. It's just it doesn't quite matter as much as it did. I'm not saying if Norwich didn't go up, which is not going to happen, it wouldn't matter. It would hurt. Of course it would. But the kind of the big decisions in games, the penalties, the offsides, the whatever it might be, the yellow card, mm. we didn't think was a yellow. How do you... Look, was it been 16 months since? 16 months, yeah. How do you look back on that past 16 months? Because I can remember, I think... The days leading up to, to Gemma's death, I'd seen yeah. a couple of Facebook statuses and, and, I'd, and I'd kind of figured that something might be up. Yeah. But it all happened so quick. And yeah. I think my heart sunk because I hadn't, I hadn't lost a wife, but I've lost my dad and I knew mm. how tough that journey suddenly is yeah. Yeah. and everything you have to face. And I was like, shit, Simon now has to go through this. Mm. Yeah. Ethan now has to go through this. It's going to yeah. be tougher for him than it was for me. I was older. Yeah. Do you look back proud that how far you've come now? because you can see a remarkable difference in yourself, the way you present yourself, the way that Ethan has developed, because that's a, <laughs> it's the toughest journey that anyone can go on. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I'm not saying you're through the other side. You never are, I don't think. No, no, no. But how do you look back at the past? Well, it's years? interesting today, because I've just, I've just read the final manuscript for the book I've written for the final time. And it's my last chance to make any changes and then it goes back to the editor and it will go into print in the next in the next couple of weeks. It's my, my last chance to change anything. So I've, I've spent the entire day going from the start of the book to the finish. And it's the first time I've read it through as as one. Mm -hmm. It's always been bits here, bits there, going back to this, going back to that. And, and yeah, I do actually feel a sense of pride in myself. Not in a big-headed way, but I, I kind of, when I'm reading those first opening chapters, you're just thinking, how, how the hell did you start that? Oh, my how goodness How the hell did you start that? Yeah, well, how'd you get out of it? Mm -hmm. You know, because it was so disconcerting. Mm. It was so, 
it was the scariest time in life. Everything you thought was certain about how life was going to pan out has suddenly been pulled from under mm. you. And you are essentially starting again with some of the things you had before. You've still got, obviously the biggest thing, I've got Ethan still, mm. I've still got my family and I've got my friends. Everything else has changed. Yeah. And as I read through it, I was going, my goodness me. Like it's, at some points, it's like reading someone else's story because you're reading it, this is really horrible. And how do you get through this? And you go, well, that was you, old boy. But that's what I always say about this. You know, when sometimes you get, I can understand where they come from, but you get quite a lot of cliches. And, and this, listen, I don't have to be, I never had to be open about this journey online. Mm. I didn't, I didn't have mm. to write about it. it. It was something that came literally out of nowhere and suddenly I realized that for whatever reason, this story- Was that a conscious decision or did it just happen? No, it just happened. It yeah. just, I've spoken about this before. I, I lay on the, I was just on the bed on the Saturday after she went, just had a bit of time out with lots of people around the house who were being amazing and stuff. But I just thought, I just need, I need an hour out. I just need to go, I was, you know, just numb. You, don't, you actually mm. don't know what's going on. You don't really yeah. registering what's just happened, but. I remember just having a moment of clarity where I just thought, crikey, I'd normally be getting in the car. It was about three o'clock, so I'm aware that the whistles are going around the country. I'm thinking, well, I've just done the lunchtime game, which I think was at Stoke that weekend. And I'm getting in the car, down the station, heading back home, ringing Gemma, saying, I'm going to be late again. Train at Warrington Bank, it's been delayed again. And I thought, crikey, because I've been off work ill with this depression and anxiety, I think for three or four weeks by this point, been at work in ages. I ain't gonna be back for a long time. I don't know at this point, I'm not going back. Mm. I think there's no way I'm gonna be back at work for months. Mm. And I just thought, I just wanna let people know. Yeah. That was all it was, just gonna let people know what's happened and this is why I'm not gonna be around. Didn't do it because necessarily everyone was thinking, where's Simon? Mm. And I just decided to write it, not consciously, just wrote it exactly how I was feeling. Just use these words, I mean, indescribable pain, you know, etc., etc. And it was like this bomb going off. Suddenly my phone goes into meltdown. I couldn't spend all day looking at it because there's too much mm. going on, but I was just aware something was going on out there and it gets retweeted, I can't remember the times, 88, 90,000 retweets. Uh, just bonkers, it's been retweeted in areas of the world I didn't even know that they know about me, let alone. Mm. And that's where it all kind of started from. And, and I started as the weeks went on to think, when well, I said something, we talked about this area, whereas A, it's an area people don't like talking about for obvious reasons death isn't much fun but it's going to come to all of us we're all going to experience loss at some point in our lives yep. you guys experienced it sadly a lot like younger than you ever planned and your parents planned but as they say mm. shit happens mm. and some of that shit can be really really painful I just want to say thank you Simon mm. because I think that what you've done by being public and talking about it having done what you've done particularly in obviously sport media I think it's inspired a lot of people. My bugbear is what you've just said there about people are afraid to talk about death. Mm. But I, the moment that I've been acutely aware of the fact that it could be my last day today, mm. I'm loving life. I'm yeah, yeah. super grateful. Yeah. I love hanging out with this tosser here. <laughs> I really do. He's I have never boy. been on a broadcast where that word has been used. He's a good boy. Well, well done, He's boys. He's a good boy. No, but seriously, thank you, because I think it's inspired a lot of people, and I think that... It's a topic that needs to be spoken about more and not hidden. And the irony is um, the daytime adverts are a plethora of funeral adverts mm. where, where old people talk about paying off their funeral yeah. like they've just booked yeah. a holiday to the Algarve. <laughs> are they the ones where you get like a free pen when you get a Yes, and, and they're sort of sticking their flowers in the garden. It's all done for a slightly hazy, misty lens that you use on Bruce Forsyth to make him look less old. Um, is that but it, true? I can't. 
can't confirm or deny that. You're coming the, up with some real The poor chap is not here to defend himself. <laughs> um, but, but you can't defend the dead. <laughs> no, but it, you know, those adverts are everywhere now on daytime TV. Yeah. And yet, the subject matter they're talking about and getting you to prepare for mm. is something people still go. Chris, you, you, when my dad passed away in 2015, Simon really helped me then. You were another one that helped me. You'd been through it years before when your mum passed away. Um, a word that Simon used there that really resonates with me is numbness. Mm. I felt like I was in a bubble for like a year and life was mm. happening around you. Yeah. But you couldn't, you didn't know why everyone else was going about life on a, on a daily basis normally because life never felt like it was going to be the same. And of course, mm. time does smooth things out a little. Yeah. What was things like for you? Because you were, what, 14, 15? Yeah, yeah. How, how I mean, you, you've obviously uh, come through it very well. Three years of numbness. Um, so yeah, mum died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, which is a rare form of cancer. Um, and I was at an age where I kind of understood, I knew what was going on, but didn't fully understand it. Why was it her? Etc. Etc. Um, three years of obviously terrible. I say three years of real terrible shit because it was. And I'd invested in a self psychology course um, with Gavin Drake from Mindspan, who I need to shout out. Um, and it just taught me about thinking cycles and being grateful and being very very aware of time. Mm. Um, writing a gratitude journal. It sounds arrogant, but it's something that I want to pump out there that. I think I, I call it the VIP club and it's an emotional intelligence thing. And sadly in life, until you're hit with adversity, sometimes it's not until you're hit with serious adversity that you don't come out the other the other side of that and you don't go, shit, I'm gonna go now, my light bulb moment. Um, so for me, I fully credit the study of psychology mm. um, and I'm not there completely. And that's exactly why, so for everyone watching Talk Norris City over all these years, if you don't know already, me and Jack bonded because of the fact that Jack's da dad had died, my mum had died, and we had that in common, didn't we? And again, with, with Simon sitting here as well, I was just like, oh my God, Ethan, he, he's totally in my camp. Mm. So the fact that Simon is now creating a, a kind of a, almost like a video collage of Gemma mm. for him, I think is absolutely incredible. My message that I kind of wanted, wanted to pump out, which is the whole reason I wanted Simon on today, was that I think that in the world of social media, there's a lot of real harsh, personal, ridiculous jives behind a screen, but you mm. don't know that person's story. And that's why I'm so thankful for Simon, again, we'll keep saying it for the rest of my life, coming out and being so public about him, being very brave. People don't know that my mum died. Mm. Um, and, you know, just because I have an opinion on football, they'll absolutely hammer it home into me. And I think that. It puts things in perspective. Mm. For me, I've, it's different for Simon in the case of he worked in football. Mm. For me, football was a massive medicine, mm. a huge medicine. After those three years, I was coming to the games, um, sitting in your dad's seat. Mate, that's huge. Mm. I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I, I think football can be a medicine. I think that, you know... Was that your escape for the 90 minutes you were oh, there? Absolutely. Yeah. Because all I'm thinking about yeah. is Cameron Jerome missing a half chance from six yards out, or or I'm just that's singing, a grim escape. or I'm just singing and shouting and swearing, and, and that's kind of okay. Yeah. I remember my mum saying to me, she was like, "Chris, you're not allowed to swear ever, yeah, apart from at the football." Okay, so you just went 
balls out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Not Ed balls, of course. No. no. <laughs> Hopefully not. No. But I, yeah, I just wanted to say that really. Yeah. It's just a completely random. It's, it's off topic of football in a sense that. But I love and and let's talk about what Norwich City are doing now. And we've seen it when a few really well loved you know Norwich City fans have sadly passed. Mm. And you know, obviously Gemma with Simon as well. And um, when we all stand together in the Barclay and the Snake Pit, mm. singing "On the Ball City." There's something about that that just makes the hair stand up on my arms. I think I'm part of something. Yeah. And honestly, Norwich City have genuinely helped to heal me. Mm. Seriously. So it's amazing. Big up. Yeah, yeah. In terms That's of brilliant. the book. Yeah. Is it is it on pre-order now? Can we plug it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Plug. I was showing, <laughs> showing it to my niece Olivia, and you need to take some more photos on the way here. <laughs> have you bought she, it? Serious official photographer. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. It's not even printed yet. But it's it's. If you go on Amazon, it's already there. It's, quite, it's already got a pound off. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing that well. Yeah. Was was that though? A, I don't want to say a sense of closure, but is that a cliche? Mm. Was, is that a chapter? closed off now can you move on slightly I don't, I don't want to use the word move on because mm. you never do but no. has it been a, a relief to get that done and I think so a little bit in terms of I, I'd always planned to write something because I I wanted something for Ethan to have um, as he grew up and since then it's sort of expanded into you know doing a, a really nice photo book that's kind of next on the list and then putting every video I've got available together of mum and him and whatever I can find something else he can watch so I was always going to write something because I just I, you know, I don't know how you guys were affected by by sleep but you know for most people who go through loss of any kind mm. it does mess with your sleep and it messed with mine really really badly so you were you basically weren't sleeping were you? I could get to sleep for two or three hours and then just you know that's why time was so mm. elongated time just felt like it slowed up but it was because the days were 19 mm. 20 21 hours long so you were having much, you know, much longer days. But I, I just sit there in the early hours, kind of in the first week or two, just kind of numb, just going, light a candle, try and watch some dross on ITV4, can't concentrate, listen mm. to some music, can't. You just listen. can't do anything. Can't you? do anything. But then as time went on, I just, I just would write, I'd write and write and write. And what I particularly did, whatever time of day it was, if it was just out on my phone or whatever it was, if Ethan said anything profound or interesting or funny or an observation or some of his many, many questions that he had in the early the early weeks about what life was going to look like and write them all down word for word. To be honest, I'm, yeah, I'm quite glad it's finished in the writing it meant reliving it. And then we got to the editing process that's been going on for the last month and a half where my editor, Chris, goes through it, mm. makes it changes, comes back, I'm happy with that. And it's kind of a lot of toing and throwing. So you're having to reread, go back to various points in the last 16 months which I don't think is always helpful because you have to really, there were there were bits of the book where I had to do it all based on memory. So in terms of the build up to Gemma getting ill, the week she was ill and in the immediate aftermath, I'm having to, in order to talk about the moment, I tell Ethan, which is probably the one bit of the book that every time I read it back still makes me emotional. Mm. You have to go back, you literally have to trace your steps through the house, up the stairs with him the moment you tell him. And I'm quite glad I don't have to do that in that way. And I'll never forget that moment for, for the rest of my life. But you have to keep going back there. But I, you know, I was going to write a book, whatever happened, because I just felt that, that one day it'd be good for Ethan to look back on this period. Because a little bit like we were talking about earlier, to see how far 
he came mm. and he journeyed yeah. and how he responded to the most horrific thing a child can ever go through is losing a parent. You know, just their whole world feels like it collapses. And yet, within days, you are seeing this, this strength growing in this kid that has just been remarkable. I'm not taking away. It's been enormously disorientating for him, painful. He struggles at times because he's, he's, human. A, he's at an age where he knows <laughs> mum is not coming yeah. back. She is not coming back. But I wanted, you know, in those early weeks when I couldn't sleep, I'd just be up from, I don't know, two in the morning to four was a lion. And a lot of time on my hands. The days felt like I wanted them forever because they did. They were 21, 22 hours long. And I started to write. Uh, and when Ethan would say anything that I just thought that's an amazing thing he's just said, whether it was to me, it was a memory of mummy, or it was just a question he had about life going forward, what was it going to look like? I'd write it down word for word. So mm. that no, no chance in the years to come when he's a bit older, he reads me and goes, Dad, did I say that? Did you get the time yes, down as well, just in case? Yeah, I've oh, got I've it all written. It's good. like, he said it on this day, he said that. <laughs> yeah, um, 12.58. Yeah. Yeah, good. But it, it's, it's finished now, so today I've finished... I can't wait manuscript to read it. for the last time and and yeah listen all I all I want the book to be and I've said this right from the start is and I've consistently said this like all three of us are sitting here and at the heart of all three of our stories is exactly the same thing loss and the journey you've been on Jack is going to be different to the journey you've been on Chris and mm. it's going to be different to the journey I've been on because the three people we've lost are all totally and utterly mm. unique. Mm -hmm. Like the three of us are, like the guys watching at home, all totally unique. So how we miss that person, how we express the absence they've left in our lives is gonna be wholly different from person to person. There'll be those themes of, it might be denial, the emotions, the unhingedness that we feel at times, those flitting between anger one minute and then we're yeah. okay the next, and Agreed. the next minute we're on the floor crying our eyes out. There's lots of similarities in some of the emotions that people express, mm. but how they respond to it will be different. Mm. So I'm not sitting here saying, we're any more unique than anyone else. Our story's more important, it's not. Mm. What happened to Gemma was brutal. You know, I think why it shocked people is because why it shocked me beyond the fact that she'd gone was I thought cancer even when the diagnosis is horrendous, affords you time. Mm. I'd heard of people going weeks after being diagnosed because they, they didn't realise they had it. This was a cancer that only developed in the three weeks to four weeks before she's diagnosed. A month before, she hasn't got acute myeloid leukaemia. And a month later, she's gone. So mm. I've never, never heard of a cancer like this mm. that could do that that quick. Mm. It, it's, you know, it's an unusual story. But again, it's not unique. Mm. And all I wanted this book to be is just, it's just our story and people can like it or leave it. Mm. And it's just how we went about responding to this. Something about who Gemma was as a person, what happened to her, and then just the story of how we responded, how we got through mm. some of the darkest hours, how we began to find life again, how we began to find a purpose to live again. And actually, do you know, the biggest light in this book is the story of Ethan yeah. because he was the biggest single reason why I am here where I am today because a kid drives you out of bed Love that. you know I've been watching Ricky Gervais's Afterlife, Afterlife yeah. which yeah. I think is brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. and I, I watch some of that and I, and I you know, the, the, the bit if you haven't seen it at home you know, he's, he's lost his wife to cancer uh, but unlike me he doesn't have any kids he's got a, a, a wonderful dog it is a lovely dog yeah, it's a beauty yeah. <laughs> uh, but kind of in the early episodes the, the, the wheels have come off the guy is putting a dried up bit of cereal because he's got nothing else to eat his cupboards are bare there's crockery still to be washed up he gives the, the dog baked beans because he's not bought any food he downs a vegetable curry because that's the only in another episode he downs a glass of water with crunched up Weetabix in that's been and a I, good day <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at it and I, it, made, it kind of made me feel better I thought okay this isn't mm. true but it was never quite that bad 
never quite that bad. And it's just... It's uh, perspective though, isn't it? Yeah, so? I just want to give people hope. You know, people who've gone through it, the hope that you can come through the other side. And people who've that. never been through it, actually what I want to help people with, if they are kind enough to ever read it, is we all know that ultimately if you've never been through this, you are not going to fully understand no. it. And that's fine. Until that day comes. But I think as a society, as friends and as family trying to support someone going through this, we all probably could do a bit better at trying to mm. understand it. Agreed. Knowing that we can't fully, yeah. but we can, I think, all of us do a bit better at trying to understand what it's like because I think sometimes people look at someone who's just lost someone and think, this is too difficult to stand around. They're Agreed. too unhinged. But why wouldn't they be? They're in the biggest pain of their lives. Mm. They are going to behave in ways that you wouldn't recognise as being them. And actually, they wouldn't recognise mm. as being them. Chris, we had um, we had John Norman on last week. Yeah. Oh, what I a love lovely John. man, oh, top no. boy. Are you, gonna, you run seven seven with him. <laughs> are you running? Seven, I'm a runner. <laughs> no, he did. He did ask me to get. I, I just my marathon days are over. I basically got no cartilage in this knee. Had it out when I was sixteen. That's not a good enough excuse. Well, I've got I've got five marathons out of it. Yeah. And now it, you know it is when I get past about three miles, it starts to hurt. So Stuart Webber's doing one, and you're in a better shape than Stuart Webber. No, no, no. I saw no? that he is. He is. Trim, really? Yeah, he is trim. Is he? If you get up close, he's he's six packs fit. Didn't ask to see that. Oh right, okay. <laughs> I was just slightly disappointed because John brought a bottle of red wine and you haven't. Oh, so. I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> but I don't, I don't drink anymore. No, that's fine. <laughs> we do. Um, Good. Something that John said last week that really resonated yeah. with me, Chris, was one can never get over fear. One can only attack it head on, and that's the way you deal with it. You never, mm-hmm. you never get over fear. You just have to attack it head on and I think the thing that I got wrong when my dad died was I just went I'll forget about this and hopefully it goes away I went to Mm. work the next day Mm. acted normal yeah I went to school next week um, and then it it catches up with you of course it does and then it hits you even harder Mm. down the line would you say there's not a right way to go about this journey but I, I think Simon detailed with his journey talking about it attacking it head on yeah can only help I just, my thing is, I, I'm kind of like, and I'm pleased that Simon said about wanting to help people because my thing is now, although people don't necessarily get it, mm. I want people to have the perspective of your little problems, your problems are just not problems. You still need to be empathetic. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just about, so, so for me, I'm just trying to say to people, look, trust me, this isn't as bad as you think. Yeah. You know, I, I could get hit by a bus right now. And honestly, I swear to God, I'd be content with my life. And I think that when you have that mindset, you you do nothing but but win. Mm. Um, so I, I, I'm just trying to go out and I'm trying to I'm trying to inspire people. It's exactly what I wanted Simon to come on today because just I want people to realise that it's a thing and just it's a thing. Mm. You're gonna go. And let's take this in very small little Norwich City world terms. That, that we've we've now officially said that football doesn't really that matter all that much. But I think the thing that football with football that, that relates to our journeys is mm. you have to enjoy the journey. And for anyone that's watching and listening to this now, it sounds fluffy, but just think about that for a minute. Mm. Why have you loved this Norwich City season? It won't be. I mean, look, Daniel Farquhar on a horse with the trophy in the season will be pretty special. But you've loved it because of the journey, because of the last minute Timu Puki goal. And similarly to our experiences, you remember, I'm sure, being at the football with your old man mm. in the top of the NMP at the time. I remember the stories of my mum. Simon remembers the, the stories of Gemma, those precious memories. Um, and I just think that that's it. Mm. 
I wanted to do. I just wanted to do it. I don't know. I'm going all over the shop. Do you know there's just... a moment on Saturday when I was watching the QPR game and I, when we just I mean, we should have been five 0 up in the first half. But, yeah, definitely. Know, I think when we went two 0 up, I just thought. A, we're amazing, and B, PPR are hopeless. So this, this is going to be a, this is going to be an absolute goal fest. Uh, and I turned around to my family I was with, and I said, "Right, if 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 we go six nil up, and it has to be six nil, not yeah. six one or six two, I will take my top off and give it a big whirl." Oh, wow! And nice. I messaged the guys at nice. Sky because Jonathan Oakes, who's our reporter, you was, him. was over the other side. I said, "If we get six and it's nil, I will take my top off." But, <laughs> and we were all laughing about it. But do you know what? As I was there, I just thought. Yeah, life is still hard. Mm. There are still bits of it. I don't like the fact that back at home it's just me and Ethan. I'm not saying I love hanging out with my boy, but mm. I don't like our new reality. I don't. I miss it being the three of us. But I thought I'm enjoying myself again. Mm. That's I'm exactly having fun, for me. and I'm and I'm I'm willing them to go yeah. six to love because I will do it because a little bit like Ricky Gervais in Afterlife. Yes, I don't swear at random school kids. But I don't care, so I would have got my top off. I would have given it a good swirl around my head. Because for that moment, and that day, and it was my sister's birthday, Becky, as well, I just thought, this is is a good day. And it's that realisation that that however hard life can be, and whatever you go through, and this is what I try and encourage people to do, get in touch with me online about having lost their wife or a child or or whoever it might be, or a parent, you know, whatever, whatever, loss is loss. I just say, you won't see it now because I didn't see it. I remember people telling me in the early days who actually knew what they're talking about. They said life will, will one day get better again, mm. and it will yeah. become a bit easier. And it's like an affront. I found it offensive. I was mm. like, how on earth can you ever say that? Yeah. How the hell does this get easier? But it does. Mm. And then you're on the Saturday. You're laughing. You're just loving Norwich playing like this. Yeah. You are loving Pookie tracking back. Mm. I loved that. And I'm so loving much. the thought. I can just, if this goes six, I'm just going to rip my top yeah. off. And I don't. Yeah, yeah care. I did it. You know, what, it gets, top uh, off? No, Nottingham Forest, three, <laughs> yeah, three, three, actually, three Nottingham Forest. Jack looked behind and was like, no, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, yeah I'm enjoying this. Lovely. Jack. And you, you know, can enjoy those moments again because you, yes. you, have a, you, have, you have times you feel, I shouldn't enjoy life again, but I always come back yeah. to the same thing. I know Gemma would want Ethan and I to enjoy days like that. Was it and a, to enjoy life was again. Was it a. Was it like a light bulb moment when you thought, shit, I'm, I'm happy? Or was it a gradual process where it just got easier day by day? Or did you get to a point and you're like, okay, this, this will be all right again? Because I know, well, I don't know. For me, it was like, this is going to be really tough. Hmm. And then it was like, just got easier day by day. The weight starts to lift. Yeah. Was it like that or? It's a very gradual process and sometimes, I think that's what's been helpful in terms of writing the book. So reading it for the first time today from start to finish, seeing the whole story as one and kind of tracing the, the path we took out of what happened. You kind of see the significant moments more and more. And you see those moments where you kind of have, you have those light bulb moments mm. where you realize, actually this is the way it's gonna be. Mm. And there've been so many of those moments where you have a moment where you felt enormous pride at, at, at Ethan, whether it was just getting up in the school assembly or in his class assembly and saying something, where you had to get to that point where you have to accept that the joy and the pride I'm feeling in watching him is always going to be accompanied by the pain of mum not being there to see it. Mm. And that is going to accompany myself, and it's going mm. to accompany Ethan for the rest mm. of our lives. Whatever he goes on to do, if he goes on to hopefully pass all his exams, if he ends up decides to go to university and you know graduates 
if he decides to get married one day and have kids, you know, those big milestones that we we look at in life are always going to be accompanied by pain. There's an empty chair. And I, it's when that moment you go in your head, you just go, I just have to accept that that's the way life is now going to be. And I'm not going to let it rob me of the joy of the moment. So when he has a moment, like at school, when they did their class ukulele concert, and they started off with, they started off Queen, We Will Rock You, and they started <laughs> the ukulele. tapping their feet, I'm thinking, are they going to do the ukulele? And they did, yeah. it was marvellous, and Ethan Popped really off. was concentrating so hard. And I was laughing, and I was enjoying it. But then in that same moment, it was that kind of, Gemma should be here to see it. it. You should be looking out at his mum's face as well. And it's those moments when you, you accept things like that, you go, okay, this is not what I wanted. A long way off what I wanted but this is now the way my life and Ethan's life mm. is going to work and once you start accepting those things painful though they are you begin to move forward because life begins to reshape and that it reshapes massively I think it can be a catalyst mm. definitely Jack what about you mate how has has football helped you since your dad died did it did it did it upset you yeah I think I think it did help me um I can remember I was with Simon actually. I think it was a couple of weeks after my dad mm. died, and you invited me yeah. down to Carrow Road, and that was a nice escape. Mm. I um, remember that well. Yeah, that was a, that was a nice escape. I think it did help me. I think I I use the word distraction. It was my distraction, and I think that yeah. can sometimes be a hindrance yeah. because, I've, as I alluded to earlier, you you maybe don't face your problems head on. Mm. And I was 15. I, of course, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. No one knows what to do. No. But looking back now... Well, adults don't know what to do. No, yeah. looking back now, I maybe would have just felt it a bit more. Mm. I regret mm. not feeling it. Mm. And I did feel it along the line. Mm. Um, but now I try with any emotion, whether that be, you feel it, you embrace it. And hopefully then mm. you understand and you know how to take that next step. My only regret is not feeling it at the time. Mm. I numbed it because the thing for the thing for you that always the, the story that you tell me that always resonates with me is that you went to the games with your dad mm-hmm. and I remember your your Wembley mm. your Wembley match day experience mm. and you being like fuck me this is this is for the old man mm-hmm. and that it, do you feel like sometimes he's he's with you he's, he's yeah I think so I try and live by his morals, I think. Mm. And I think it's a, it is a fluffy cliche, mm. but the person you've lost does live with inside of you mm. to a certain mm. yeah. extent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just try and carry the morals that I think he would have been. I love, there's a, there's a nice little message here, which is actually that you should just talk about it. Mm. And I think the thing that I haven't done in the 11 years since my mum died, it's only been the last two that I've started talking about it, just like we're talking yeah. about it now. Yeah, yeah. And I find it really relieving. Yeah. And I still have the Mother's Day, the Christmas, where I rock up to the grave and it's terrible. Yeah. But it makes it easier talking about it. So what I'm trying to say is for people that haven't gone through it, you know, listen and be a part of the subject mm. and don't just dismiss it as it's terrible and it'll never happen to me. I, I think that you have to... I think I think we need to be talking about it more, 100%. Can I ask you guys something? Because you, you're both coming at it, I know slightly different ages to Ethan but you're coming at it from experience loss where you are losing a parent a lot earlier than than you were ever expecting so when you you reach those life milestones when you reach those moments that you're hugely proud of but your mum your dad are not there to ring up and say 
I've just got a job at Anglia or whatever it might be or you know, join you at those on those matches you'd have gone together or whatever it might be, those big life milestones that Ethan's got ahead of him, you've been through some of them already. What's that been like and how have you dealt with that that pain of mum, dad not being there? Um Uh, it's pretty shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like I feel like I'm one nil down. Yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think there is always maybe someone missing. Mm. But I know with with you, Chris, it does um, strive you on somewhat more. Mm. And I don't think. I think. I think. I think the way you find contentment. Is that there's never a right answer, yeah, and you just stumble your way through to the best of your yeah. ability, and I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah. I mean, this this guy was hugely encouraging. We went, we went to. Uh, God, I knew this would be easy. Here we, we went. Go. It's all right, mate. Hang in there. Hang in there. We went to a um, we went to a friend's birthday party in. Well, it was, it was just his name. It was Jake Jake Humphrey's fortieth back in September. What a night! Um, yeah, it was a good night. What a night! Yeah, you, well, you were cogent at this point. You, you were still still yeah. fairly fairly okay. I I, I didn't say that. Though. <laughs> um, but I had a really good chat with you actually, uh, and we were talking about your experience losing your mum at fourteen. Mm-hmm. Ethan was eight, and I remember one thing you said to me that night, and that's you know that's where you know in terms of just anyone, any one of us, anybody talking about this openly and being able to share their experience can be massively helpful because one thing you said to me, and I said, you know, how do you see your mum all these years later? And you said, well, she's become almost like a bit of a golf-like figure. You know, remembering the day-to-day with her yeah. is really hard. And I remember being really taken back by that and thinking, good grief, you know, I can't imagine this happening for Ethan because, you know, why would he forget any of this stuff? But already, as I've spoken about, those day-to-day memories are fading. Mm. And I just remember you saying, whatever you do, just keep mum part of the conversation. You yeah. know, you've got to talk about it. You've got to, you know, if you've got memories of being put together, put them together. And that's, the book's partly that, but actually what I want to do in terms of a video and a, and a picture book about her. You know, that was a great wisdom from you. It was hard to hear. Mm. So, you know, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about. He's quite a few years on from where Ethan is at. But hearing that, it was like... Um, that's something I didn't want to hear, but I did want to hear mm. because it made me very aware that I've got to carry on, as I've tried to do, mm. keeping mum part of the conversation mm. so that, yeah, as those memories of the routine of life fade, the memory of the person, what she sounded like, what she looked like, mm. the kind of person she was, never fades. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm. I'm with you entirely, mate. I think we end up there. Are we going up? It's difficult. <laughs> are we going up? <laughs> are we going up? Of course we are. We, we are, are going up. up. We are going up. Are we winning this league, Simon? Uh, yes, I think we're going to. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I do. You think? Yeah. No, we're going to win the league. Good. And Boy. I just love that chant. Going up, going down. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? The old yellow That's another moment I just thought I'm enjoying life. Yeah. In this amazing. moment, I'm enjoying it's this song. Sweet, I'm it? enjoying my life. And I'm yeah. just a little bit gutted I didn't get to take the top off. And uh, well, there's, still, now there's, there's still time. Oh, hang on, <laughs> taxi. <laughs> Simon, thanks so much, mate. Cheers, boys. Legends, top boys. So much, and keep being open Jam, and mate. honest. Keep going. <clears throat>